I'm Jock Wilson, and this is Football North, the CFL. So I saw a tweet last week that really caught my attention. The tweet was from Danny Austin, football writer for the Calgary Sun and Post Media. The tweet said, really feel this is going to be the most fun slash heated slash contentious CFL award voting season in my time covering the league. And I wish there was a way to embrace that and have those fun debates publicly. Well, that's what this podcast is for. It's for CFL-related stories, so we can have fun with those debates publicly. Let's welcome back Danny Austin from the Calgary Sun, and let's welcome in the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CJOB, Derek Taylor. Full disclosure, right out of the chute, guys, I don't have a vote for the CFL awards. The two votes for this radio station go to our play-by-play team of Mark Steven and Greg Peterson. So, Danny, maybe just for a little bit of background to kick off the podcast, how does the voting process actually work for the CFL Awards? Yeah, so, I mean, CFL All-Star voting is sort of underway for fans right now, but uh, my impression is sort of October 19th in, in that kind of stretch, so about a week from now. Um, local voters, which is, is normally four media members as well as the coaches, um, we are going to get our ballots. And uh, that includes sort of the first step of that is every single person who is eligible for most outstanding rookie. We got a list of that because there can be confusion there. But we basically vote for, you know, for the players on our team who we think should be eligible for awards. Um, and after that, it goes out to the to the league. And you got, uh, I, I don't actually know what the breakdown is because there's obviously a lot of people from TSN, some CFL.ca people, uh, you know, there's various people involved as well as the, you know, four voting members of the FRC in each um, in each market. And it basically goes, OK, then we vote for West and East Division uh, and then we vote for league wide sort of week after week. You, you narrow it down. So um, not that complicated a process, to be honest. You got to remember <laughs> the deadlines. So. <laughs> well, it, it all uh, will, will be finalized on November the 17th, I believe, when the CFL awards uh, will take place during Grey Cup festivities. Derek, did you want to add anything to that just to, for clarification, or are you good with that explanation? No, I, I'm good with that. Um, we, we all get our ballots, and it's, it's broken down in certain things, right? Uh, you get to vote for quarterbacks. You get to vote for five receivers, running back. Uh, offensive line is then broken down in the position. You get to vote for two linebackers and one cover linebacker, which can be interesting some years because there's years where uh, I remember there was a year where there was only one cover linebacker in the East who had played more than like six games. So you're like, oh, well, it's got to be this guy because no one else has played this position. And then they go corner half and, and, and safety. So they break it down, not all the way. Like they don't say take a left tackle and a right tackle. They just say pick your two tackles. So it's not uh, – it's not everything I would like it to be, but uh, th- those are kind of the restrictions that were placed under. And you sometimes don't get options you might like to have for Ryder fans last year. Uh, they thought, well, Luchez Purifoy should be a, should be a, an all-star. And you go, well, we have to vote for him at safety or nothing because that was the only position that was available for him. So sometimes if you're going to yell at us, just know that we as voters are under certain restrictions. Okay. I, I- will say it's – may I just quickly add, it's not as frustrating – as Grey Cup awards because we have to get those in with like two minutes left in the game. 
So yeah. if it goes to overtime the way that last that last year did, uh, you, you basically get it wrong. Um, but you know, um, that's just a just a quick note that it's not <laughs> that there are frustrations. But Grey Cup is by far the hardest. Oh, okay, we're, we're going to get into Danny's tweet in a second, but just again for for clarity's sake, Derek, you're more of a stats guy. Uh, so how do you do your research before picking the awards? You just are you only on stats, or how does that work for you? Well, let's let's go back to, to the beginning. Like all those stats are because I watched every play. Right. And you, when you watch every play, you get a sense of, of who's what. But then then it'll come down to there, there are tough decisions I've had along the way. Uh, I, I think it was 2018. Uh, I was trying to pick, well, who's my top tackle in in the uh, in the league? And there was Derek Dennis and Stanley Bryant and Sir Vincent Rogers. And forgive me, this might have been 2017, but it's been a while. And having charted out their whole seasons, I, all, I had them all allowing the same number of quarterback pressures and the same number of holding penalties plus sacks allowed. And I went, oh, what am I going to do now? Because they've all been absolutely fantastic. So then you then you drill down. What I did in that time is I drilled down to, okay, well, what's the job those guys are asked to do and who are they asked to do it with? I thought Derek Dennis had the best guy, the best guard inside him uh, in Shane Bergman at the time. I thought, uh, uh, gosh, Sir Vincent Rogers was dealing with the Ottawa offense that got rid of the ball super fast. I'm like, Okay, well, I'll weigh that in there. And I thought that Stanley Bryant, uh, Stanley Bryant was playing with the, with uh, Matt Nichols' offense, which is get the ball at super fast. So I was like, oh, now that goes into the blender. And then you beat your head against the desk for a while because how can you possibly make these decisions? Because even with all the information I tried to accumulate that year, I still felt like this is not enough information to make this decision. So uh, don't tell anybody now, but I believe that year I voted for Derek Dennis over Stanley Bryant. So don't tell anybody now because I'm here in Winnipeg and I'm currently wearing a blue shirt. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it comes to a lot. But, uh, I mean, the key is the more you're able to watch, and for me, the more I'm able to break down, when it comes to defensive player of the year, that's going to be a really hotly contested one this year. Uh, I, I'll look at, hey, uh, this guy had, uh, Jake Theresna had 10 sacks. What kind of sacks were they? Were they freebies? Were they ones he really had to work for? Was he was he chipped or double teamed? What kind of interceptions did a defensive player have? Um, yeah, for I mean, MOP is going to be pretty easy, but there's so there are stats, but then there's real context to those stats based on what they were asked to do and how they achieved it. Uh, I love how he just dropped that MOP is going to be pretty easy. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, uh, D- Danny. How do you how do you how do you make your your selections? I mean, it's a combination, and I, I do watch every game. Uh, well, I watch every game live. Um, some of us have access to um, a, a, a database of CFL games, so I will uh, go back and watch. I will admit that there have been a, a couple Ottawa games this year that I probably haven't watched as closely as I maybe should have. I don't know how many All-Stars I've listed. <laughs> so, um, that, that won't affect things. But, yeah, I mean, it's that. And to be honest, like, I mean, I mean when I struggle sometimes, and, I, and I'll give you an example, you know, the Lineman All-Star Awards this year, uh, and, you know, Derek mentioned, you know, Derek Dennis is playing next to Shane Bergman, and, you know, that might make his job a little bit easier. And for me, it's, you know, I look at the St. Peter's, and I'm like, well, they've allowed half as many sacks in the best running game. Shouldn't more players be rewarded? You know, I don't want, I want to reward the unit as well as just the individuals, and that's always the thing. So to me, to be honest, um, I, I ask coaches and players to help me out a little bit. Um, that's absolutely vital, and, I, you know, what Dave Dickinson potentially tells me, I, I don't just sort of take his gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to you know, hear that and hear other people. But for me, it's always, you know, I, 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 at the end of the season, the CFLTA also announces their All-Stars. And, you know, that, that can be humbling because I can see that the players had very different opinions on 
who might have been the best boundary corner in the league and stuff like that. So um, it's, you know, for me, it, I, honestly, I do rely throughout the season on people like Derek who are putting, who are putting stats out there that to provide that context for me, um, as well as trusting my eyes, you know, really, really diving into the CFO, believe it or not, does have actually a, some, some fairly amazing um, stats available. And it, it's a combination of all of it, but it might be a little bit more art than science at the end of it from, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. Sometimes it becomes a little bit of a popularity contest, and and, and I, I don't want to rip the uh, the professional uh, you know reporters of, of Canada because I I think you guys all do a, a great job and it's it's a good service. But uh, we, we see we seem to get you know to that point where okay I'm in Calgary so I you know I I'm going to go with obviously all the Calgary guys or you know De- Derek you're in Winnipeg you're going to go with all the Winnipeg guys same same in Ottawa. Uh, does it become a popularity contest? Well, I go, oh sorry go ahead Danny. I, I, I will say, like, look, it, I am, I, Derek and I talked last week, and I was like, you know, there are times when on Twitter, I might push the Calgary agenda a little bit. You know, I, you know there are as many voices necessarily in Calgary, so I'll be a little bit more boisterous and a little bit homerish. To be honest, when it comes to Ulster, I really, really do try not to do that. Um, my own biases are going to affect my perception of things, and, you know, seeing the Stampeders up close every day and, and putting in the work, you likely gain an appreciation for it. Um I think the bigger issue is, and again, I, I, I do give guys like Derek credit here, and it, it is stuff like offensive line um, where realistically, I mean, how much how, how much do I know about, you know, a, a rookie left guard um, playing for Hamilton? I mean, that's just an example. I don't actually know if there was a rookie left guard playing for Hamilton. But, you know, stuff like offensive line where it's seen that, I don't know that it's popularity contest so much as, you know, a guy potentially like Stanley Bryant who has been, arguably the best offensive lineman in CFL history. Well, has he had a great year this year? I need, I need other people to tell me that. Um, you know, so it, it can often be when it comes to places like offensive line, less so defensive line, but, um, you know, there, there are just certain positions where, unfortunately, big names carry a little bit of weight um, at times if you're not doing your research. Well, and, and just to add on to what Danny says, when you're a voter in the local market, like, you, when you see a guy play for 18 games, you remember all of the little ones he did along the way, right? And exactly. and you go, oh, well, remember this one? Like, oh, he tipped that ball up, and then it was picked off, and they ran it back for a score. Or, man, he absolutely – you maybe get more more context of, man, when it, when it counted in game seven against these guys, he absolutely destroyed everything, and that turned the tide of the game. Um, like, I, I'll watch every play, but I sometimes feel like I – I will lose the forest for the trees, right? You're trying to determine, okay, well, what happened on this play? You maybe lose the grander scheme of, well, what happened over 160 plays in the whole game? So I, I think that, I think there are some people that are biased. I think there are some voters that are like, okay, well, I, I honestly, like some people in our in our business just don't have the time to watch every game because right. the demands on a broad, on a broadcaster on a journalist now are are substantial so i i honestly don't don't fault them at all i'm fortunate to be able to to put in the, the kind of time that i do uh because uh, and part of it is because i'm just crazy and I, and I just have to know the answer to some of the stuff but i just i just can't blame folks for their votes and then and then oh by the way uh, i'm just going to put this out there the cflpa all-star team has its own biases too right like the mm-hmm. the last two, the last two seasons They've put on an offensive lineman who I had judged to allow the most quarterback pressure in the entire league. And they're both interior players. And I thought, how is that guy an all-star? What is going on here? And you go, oh, well, one, they do know more than we do. Absolutely. Two, do they watch as much as, as some, some voters can? And three, 
everybody's got their own biases, right? Yeah. You, I, you, you like this guy and not that guy. You like this system and not that system. You think these results are important and these results are less so. So everybody, I, I don't, I don't get too bent. I don't get too hurt myself when I go, Ooh, this doesn't look like the CFLPA. Maybe I made that mistake, but that one, the players blew it, right? It's, we all, it's never going to be perfect until one uh, supreme, supreme, uh, insightful overlord of the CFL takes over and does all the voting and award handing. Yeah. And two just things to add to that. I mean, I, I do think a lot of like the stuff where I don't want to say mistakes, but it, it can be, there can be questions. There's more all star. I do generally think that awards, um, you know, you're narrowing it down to a very small select group, and I do think most of the people um, put in the work to figure figure that out. I think awards are generally pretty close to being um, correct. But Dan, can I ask you a question? I, I'm asking this sincerely because for me, you know, I saw you know, Dan. I saw a, a bit of an argument with a couple fans, and he was like, "I'm sorry, like I just a last place team. I'm probably not going to give awards consideration to." And for me, wins and losses for the team do contribute to. Um, Maybe not as much All Star, but generally even All Star. Yeah. But for, for end of season awards, I mean, you know, I we, we're going to talk about defensive player, but I, you know, I look at stats and I, I I see a guy leading the league who happens to play for Ottawa, and I have a little bit of trouble really giving that person consideration for um, most outstanding defensive player, just because yeah. I think that the team success matters because you know those those stats matter more in wins. Yeah, I, I, I fall to the opposite end of that, and I, I sort of discount stats. Well, not discount stats. I kind of, to some degree, I'll, I'll discount the team's record because I can't believe that uh, if the Bombers win, say the Bombers finish the season 15-3 and three with by far the best record, I don't believe that says to me that each of those 24 players is the best player at his position. They may be the best team, but how much is the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, if you know what I mean. So, if they win 15 games, does that make Mark Leggio the best kicker in the Canadian Football League? Well, no, because Rene Perretta still lives. Jimmy Smith puts it down. Perretta's puts it through. And we are all tied again at the end of regulation. Right? Like, I can't, I won't be able to get to get past that part. So, I, I get what you're saying, and I will factor that in certain spots, like in, I hate quarterback wins, but I, it'll it'll come into effect if some guy threw for 5,000 yards this season, but his team was, you know, three and 15. Okay. We're going to weigh that in. It, it'll certainly come into my voting, but there are exceptional players playing in bad circumstances uh, in sure. my mind. So that's, that's kind of how all of uh, Jake Ceresna plays on a bad team and that Edmonton Elks, but in 10 games, he has ripped offensive linemen apart. So uh, when it comes time to vote for defensive tackles in the West, He's he's going to be really high on my list, you know, along with guys who play for twelve and fifteen win teams. So I I, I I'm with you. I'm more I'm more in the opposite end of you, Danny. But uh, but I definitely see what's what's there because I just think that greatness can exist even in terrible situations. For sure, and for me, it largely. I mean, when it comes to all star, I don't consider it as much. It just it's more of those couple end of season awards. Um, it's a factor. I'm not saying it's a determining mm. factor, but it is something I think about. That's yeah. really all, all I'm saying. 
Well, you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting because uh, you look at the the awards last year, you know, the, the most outstanding Canadian was on a was on a bad team, Bo uh, Lacombo. So uh, you can you can go down that list, a rookie of the year. Uh, he was also on a bad team, uh, Jordan Williams. BC last year was a bad team. They're not a bad team this year. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the tweet, Danny, because that's really what we, we got, you know, and that's a great conversation, by the way. But, but the tweet last week really was interesting. Uh, you feel this is going to be the most fun, heated, contentious, CFL awards voting season in your time covering the league. You, you better explain your tweet. Well, well, let's start with MOP because that is what it's going to down to. And, I mean, I will be straight up. I, I actually do agree with Eric that for me, this is pretty straightforward. I've already seen so many fans. You know, you follow fans who I think are smart and not jerks on Twitter. Um, I'm sorry, I, nine games for Nathan Rourke is not really enough for me. So, for me, it's, it's, it's Zach Claris is the only real candidate for, for MOP. I'm going to comfortably vote for him without asking for it. But there are a bunch of people who are just going to say, well, nine games is enough for me. He was the best player in the time that he played, and nine games is enough. And what I think is going to be contentious is both arguments have a certain level of validity, and probably people aren't going to move off their stance. So, um, you know, second position where Nathan Rourke, had he played 18 games, almost 100% would have been MOP. Like, I don't think there's any question there, but he didn't. So we are now punishing him for getting hurt, which isn't necessarily fair. But I, I, I think that's going to be a fascinating argument. And I think that he basically, I don't think that I'm going to convince a single person who thinks Nathan Rourke should be MOP, but Zach is. Um, so that's the starting point for me. The other part is, is anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I do believe that, um, you know, both Sean Lemon and Cam Gedd should probably get some most outstanding defensive player consideration. Um but how, how comfortable am I going to be pushing that? I, I don't think anyone in, in Winnipeg is going to be happy um, you know, with the season that they've had. I, I, I certainly, there's, just, there's just a couple really, really interesting um, ones. But that MOP is, I, I think that for the league, we should be having these arguments and these debates in public, even if we're not going to find any resolution in them. Derek, you want to counter that? I yeah I I like the thought of having the debates in public and and I love that that Danny stirred it up like Nathan Rourke was was unbelievable like he was unbelievable but uh, there's a sentiment out there that well uh, okay Zach was fine Zach Kalaros has been incredible this season as well I was just popping it up right now uh, his touchdown percentage so touchdown passes divided by attempts uh, is the highest uh, in the last seven years and it's actually at this moment higher than Nathan Rourke's was in his nine games. Rourke threw 25 touchdowns in 313 attempts. Zach's thrown 35 touchdowns in just over 430 attempts. Like, he is producing in this offense. And, yes, none of it happens about receivers or offensive line, but you can say the same for Rourke. I'm with Danny that nine games just isn't enough. If it was 13 games, Oh, yeah, uh, that we're now getting into it. If it was 12 games, now we're now there's a chance it's work. But but Zach is just going to whoever whoever the East puts up. And I assume it's McLeod Bethel Thompson, whatever it might be. Uh, Zach should win it unanimously this year. And it's it's unfortunate that Rourke got hurt. But then that's that is every year. Right. In these kind of votes, if it's a, a season long award, it's a season long contest. And you're unfortunately only able to play half the season. Uh, it just it just can't break your way. Zach in the 2015 season uh, when he tore up his knee, he was definitely going to be the MOP, but he tore up his knee and Henry Burris went on to throw for 5,500 yards and claim the award. And 
I feel like huh, maybe Zach should have won it, but there's there's just nothing you can do when you only get you know in this case under ten games from a guy. But uh, I just I just want to for anybody dispel the notion that Zach's just having an okay season. Zach Kolaris is phenomenal, even though it's like Jesse Owens broke the world record. Uh, broke the world record in the 100-meter dash. The guy who finished second also broke the world record in the 100-meter dash. Let's all just admit the guy who finished second was pretty phenomenal. <laughs> is that, also, is, is, if so, I, if sorry. I may, like, let the common reporter make the argument for Zach. Like, A, Zach is the only quarterback to beat BC once so far in Calgary three times. But I also say, we were at that game. Had Zach not been absolutely phenomenal against Calgary, Calgary wins probably two of those three games. Um, yep. He he was the difference against arguably the second best team in the league, and then lay a beat down on on the Lions um, a couple weeks earlier. So for me, I, I I think that against the elite opposition, I mean Zach has been far and away the best quarterback in the league um, this season, and that's a little unfair because because Rourke only got two shots at those teams, and one of those against you know the game against Calgary, the forty one forty game, might have been the best performance by any player of the entire season. Um, but no, Zach's been phenomenal this year, and I, I do think that there is a a certain sense. Um, and I mean, when we get into other awards, like guys, rookie's not that controversial either. Um, no, but I think people are a little bit bored of Winnipeg's greatness, honestly, myself included at times. Um, but that's the only. I mean, the fact that Zach's been good for since 2019, been great since 2019, uh, should not take away from the fact that he's been great this year as well. Nathan well, Rourke, it, yeah. Nathan Rourke, 25 touchdown passes. Nathan Rourke, you know, if you look at his yards passing this year in nine games, 32-81. Uh, so I, I look at Zach Caleros, 35 touchdown passes. He's played seven more games. You know, his 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 yards completion is, what, 900 yards better over a 17-game yeah. period to a nine-game period? I can understand. Like, I, it's maybe a good thing I don't have a vote, guys, because I'm I'm all in for Nathan Rourke. Nathan Rourke is the best player in the Canadian Football League. Now, I guess we can debate whether or not, you know, nine games is a big enough sample size, but if you are starting a draft next year and Nathan Rourke is still in Canada, I'm taking Nathan Rourke number one overall. Nathan Rourke is the best player in the Canadian Football League. I don't think he should be penalized for basically uh, having his his season cut short. I, I really well, don't. How far down do you take that, though? How many games is too few? What if a guy is absolutely unbelievable, but he got hurt after two games? If you played half the season, you're okay. Two games, yeah, obviously. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, Danny. <laughs> no, well, and that is, that's sort of how I started this conversation, is that I think that that's like a fundamental disagreement. For me, it's just not. It's like half the season is not a full season. So I'm close to a full season. Um, and players get hurt all the time and get penalized for not putting up, you know, bigger stats for not being there to help their team win. Um, it stinks, but it's half the season. It's not a full season. How is one half of the season more valuable than a full 18-game season that Zach, that Zach Claris has played? It's just – it's objectively not, in my opinion. But this is why the, the argument's going to be sort of fun and contentious. It is for you, Doc, and I fully understand your argument. It's just I totally disagree. <laughs> yeah, and you'll get you'll get things like, well, what about running back? And Sass fans will go, hey, Frankie Hickson was unbelievable in his game in his times. And then you have to go, yeah, but he only had eighty five carries before he got hurt for the end of the season, right? It was sure it was almost four yards after contact. But Kadeem Carey again, Kadeem Carey is alive, so uh, it's it's got to be him. Even though Frankie Hickson was fantastic in the games in which he played. 
I, I know this tweet was a joke, but I got to bring it up anyway and throw it back in Danny Austin's face because his, his second tweet was going to vote for Rourke for MOP, but not for most outstanding Canadian because I believe the best Canadian needs to play a minimum number of games. Fight me. Fight me was the quote from yes. uh, Danny. I know it was a joke, Daddy. I'm just throwing it back out there. Sometimes I like throwing. I don't believe that. Um, the only, I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, I might, as a consolation prize, be totally willing to give work most outstanding Canadian. Um, I haven't. I, I'm not committing to that. But I mean, I, I obviously was joking and trolling, and as you guys know, <laughs> I, I really try to, to not troll the way I used to. But sometimes that part of me I just can't contain. But, um, but I mean, I, I honestly, if people wanted to make the argument that, and I, this is where sometimes sense stops being a part of it. But. Um, Someone wanted to give work most outstanding Canadian. I have absolutely no issue with that. Yeah. I just think that you know, Calaris has had a good enough season that nine games isn't enough for me for more. No, and, yeah. and, and and I do understand it because, you know, I, I, I sort of take away from my own argument when I talk about Rookie of the Year because Titus Wall, halfway through the season, was giving Dalton Schoen, you know, all all the all the run for that uh, for that award. And, and there's of course, no way. There's no way yeah. Titus Wall wins. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, because he, he hasn't played enough games and if he would have played a full season. But I guess I just look at it differently because I, I look at the numbers. Uh, Nathan Rourke uh, put up. So uh, on that on that poll, we, we, we've already said, hey, we know who the r- most outstanding rookie of the Canadian Football League is. There's no sense even getting into that debate. I think the next debate... Well, no, except to give him a little credit here. I mean, I, I do think what, what he has done, I mean, it's been... I've seen a lot of rookie receivers come in and, you know, around week six, week seven, week eight, sort of pick it up and put up big numbers. That guy for a rookie, there's been no slowdown. It's right. right from the start. He has been incredible this season. I assume, and, and Derek would know better, and I'm not trying to gossip, but I assume he's going to get an NFL opportunity next year. But otherwise, I mean, that guy is going to be a superstar in this league if he sticks around. So I did want to yeah. give him credit without just yeah. you know, moving past it. Talking, talking of Dalton Schoen, number 83 for your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course, is what we're what we're doing here. Brown into the game. He's going to look down the field to show. Fourteen touchdowns now, and there was a point early in the season where where we saw shown like I saw we saw the whole rise from rookie camp to the roster. And after I don't know, it was after four or five games, I said in the pregame show, "Well, I mean, he's not Brandon Zilstra, but he looks really good." And then I look at it now, and I go, "Well, Brandon Zilstra only had five touchdowns in the, in what was his second year when he really flashed. He had almost sixteen hundred yards. He was Zilstra was unbelievable." And I go. Maybe I should have been so quick to dismiss the Brandon Zilstra comparison back in the day as far as young receivers who come here and just tear it up. I think they probably – they're tearing it up in different ways. I haven't seen Zilstra film in a while, but that was a big-bodied dude who was really physical and fast and smart and and uh, less, so, less so physical and more so craft with the speed and everything else with Dalton Schoen and fantastic hands and uh, honestly – one of the moments when, when he wins the award, one of the moments I hope someone asked him about is in his first game, I forget if it was his first catch, but in his first game, he, he's going to the ground and he gets whacked by Sherrod Baltimore of the Red Blacks and he fumbles the football and Ottawa takes it. And I thought, oh, for a rookie, what's going to happen from here? Because that could wreck a guy's confidence. Not even a little bit was he phased by that. And he's gone on to be the leading receiver in the Canadian Football League and 14 touchdowns and the performer of the week this week, uh, Dalton Schoen. He's, 
I I haven't classified by who's the best using the waggle, but he's a, he's a top five <laughs> waggler in the CFL. He's unbelievable at using that to kill teams, uh, and it's his first year here. So yeah, if I think as Bomber fans, we're all kind of fingers crossed that he doesn't go to the NFL. But how do you not take a young a guy that young uh, who played American college ball? who's done this in his first pro season and give him a look if you're a professional football team. I, I can't disagree. Can't disagree at all. So let's, let's get to the other contentious award. And I, and I do think the most outstanding defensive player award is going to be a very, very interesting debate. Danny, why don't you start this debate? I mean, I, I, I have to, I'm going to start it with Calgary because I think the Calgary, you know, they're who I cover. Um, now, the weird thing is if you look at Calgary's all-around defensive numbers, um, you know, they've given up a lot of points, given up a lot of yards. So um, it's odd to argue that there would be two guys who should 100% be in contention. But I will say that Cam Judge um, has is, what, leading the league in fumble recoveries, has two pick sixes, um, is is up there in tackles. And I just I think that he has to be a consideration. But the big one, and I know Derek and I sort of aren't, aren't 100% on, on – same page on this but for me i just i think sean lemon um has had so many impact plays and i think that you know he's what second and forced fumbles second and sacks um has been so consistently good and you know it can be argued that he obviously benefits from having you know having mike rose next to him um, a lot of the time and and just being a part of a, a pretty incredible unit that sort of emerged in my opinion as probably the best in the league at this point um but i for me i, I think sean lemon um you know, the way he has just game in and game out and been getting those sacks, causing, um, you know, sacks for me are, are more important than pressures um, and, and forcing turnovers, I think, is puts him for me. I, he is who will at this point get my vote in Calgary. And I, I and I think it'll be dismissed by a lot of people. But um, I, I, I've just seen him and I think he's been so impactful. Derek? here's my, and I, and I, I've been a big Sean Lemon fan for some time. I'm that Calgary defensive line is so good. He might be the third most impactful player on it. When I watch them game to game, right? I watched for and Arimalade do nasty things to the, to the Winnipeg blue bombers offense. And I went, Whoa, I don't know how even Stanley covers that spin move. And then I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we talk about Mike Rose enough. Uh, because that guy is just, I met him for the first time in Calgary. I'm like, wow, you're actually way taller and bigger than I thought you were because you move like you're 220 pounds on the interior. He is absolutely phenomenal. Just destroying teams from, from the interior. Uh, so I, I, I come to it with that. I, here's the other part is, uh, lemon's got lemon's got, I honestly don't know what the CFL number is. I assume it's 12, but I, I kind of, I will credit sacks a little differently in spots. I, I then break them down, and this is how nerdy it gets in, in my house, Jock. Um, there are sacks, but there are sacks where you beat an offensive lineman. There are sacks where no one blocked you, and they let you go free, and you got a sack. There are sacks where you clean up somebody else's work. There are sacks that I attribute to the coverage was really good. There are sacks where you forced an intentional grounding. The CFL doesn't say that's a sack, but come on, it's a sack. And then Lorenzo Malden of Ottawa has three sacks on running plays this year. They were clearly quarterback runs, but quarterback tackled behind the line of scrimmage is classified a sack. So, okay, well, how do I weigh that in? When I look at, at Lemon, I go, okay, well, 12 sacks, but only on five of those in my, as I charted out, did he, ha- did he truly beat somebody to take that sack? And then 
four forced fumbles to go with it as well, but those were part of the 12 sacks. So it's it's 12 plays that we're working on when I look at, at Sean Lemon. And obviously there's other stuff to go in there. But when I compare that to Mike Rose, who I have 10 sacks in the interior and eight of them, he had to absolutely dominate an offensive lineman to get or a Ceresna or, I mean, uh, Willie Jefferson is one who's going to get a bunch of love here for other reasons that I'll, that I'll throw at you a little later if the conversation goes that way. Willie Jefferson has six sacks where he had to beat a tackle and he's the most chipped defensive lineman in the league. So when it, when it comes down to the vote, I go, I think Lemons had a good year, but this is a, this is a West that is filled with incredible uh, defensive linemen right now. And then, Oh, by the way, who are the Calgary voters going to give us? Because that's, that's going to be for me. I won't get to touch it until the Calgary voters say it's Rose or judge or Rimalade or lemon. Like last year with the bombers, it was, Whoever yeah. you give us, we're going to vote for. So that's that's where it'll come for me. I won't have to deal with that question until it comes to All Star. And I mean, picking an end in the East is going to be brutal for me, or in the West, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, so, and I I do agree. And I, I mean, I like for me the thing with Lemon is well, I fully buy that. And there have been facts where he's sort of cleaned up for other guys, and still he's there. He's still making the play. And hundred um, percent. Yeah, and and, and for, like that, I give him credit for that. Um, and then it's just. For me, and again, this is one of those things where you say, oh, you watch. And Lemon's had some just big sacks and big moments in games. And I, I, I for me, I would I would guess, and no, I haven't talked to the other voters, um, I would guess it'll be between Rose, Judge, and Flo. And that's not uh, Rose, Judge, and Lemon, I apologize. That's not a knock mm. on Flo. I think we all, Flo's having his breakup season. And it's just, to be honest, it's nice to see because he had injury issues. And we've kind of been waiting for this for three years. Um, but it just has been, I mean, and Rose has had some big sacks and big moments as well, but it has sort of felt in game turning moments. Lemon has, Lemon has sort of brought the quarterback down and that's been important. But I mean, I, I take your point. And again, like I, it's, it, it's funny. I, I just don't think if you vote for Adam Big Hill ever as the best defensive player in the league, you're wrong. I don't know that he's really going to get consideration this year, but same with Willie Jefferson. Like, I don't think yep. he can really be wrong. Um, on some of those guys, and there's so much depth, um, and that is sort of the um, going to be the issue with most outstanding defensive player for sure. Um, but there's kind of like a police officer pulling up next to my car, so I'm hoping I'm not about to get in. <laughs> so, oh boy! So, so, yeah. so, Derek is is the freak uh, Willie Jefferson your your pick for a defensive player of the year? It's uh, honestly, I haven't made that decision. I haven't made that yet. I kind of don't know uh, what to do with that. There's not somebody with so many interceptions that, that it's going to turn it. There's not a, there, there are coverage players that uh, even on, on Winnipeg, I look at a guy like Dietrich Nichols, that teams don't throw at Dietrich Nichols. And when they do, I have a sub 50% completion rate against, I, I feel like that would be a real, that would be a good pick too, but it's, it's just not going to happen. Uh, I don't think enough voters will, will come to that. Willie's been incredibly impactful, but Winnipeg, we can't get caught in Winnipeg being the same defense that they were in 2021. They were phenomenal in 2021. They allowed about 1,000 fewer passing yards than you would have expected based on the teams they played and the situations they were in. That's not who they are in 2022. They get pressure much less. They get many fewer sacks. Uh, Though Willie is is the continual in that one, it's, it's... it's not. It's not for sure for me. He okay. he is the league leader when you add up sacks and tackles for a loss, 
holding penalties drawn and passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage, what I call kind of zero plays. He, he's the league leader in those. But there, uh, there are a lot of really good defensive players in the uh, in the West. So honestly, when I get my ballot, the the conversation of MODP and All Stars at end is going to take me uh, a couple hours. But can can I give Danny Austin a little love because sure. he, uh, he I I was taught when he mentioned we were talking last week. We, I he's like yeah I think I feel like Lemons had a lot of plays in and these guys have had a lot of plays in big situations. So I went back and and I. I'd made a brand new table. There's nothing I like more than making a brand new table of stats <laughs> and, and to, to kind of go, okay, well, what happened in one score games? And yeah, it's like uh, as much as uh, Lemon doesn't like the thought of quarterback pressures, he's number two in quarterback pressures in the fourth, fourth quarter of one score games. And you go, okay, well, that's, that's something he's, he's had, I mean, you get those situations only a certain number of times, but Lemon's been impactful. Uh, Arimelade has got twice as many. He's the, by far the league leader. Uh, wow. Mike Rose has two sacks, you know, tied for the most sacks in those kind of situations. Fourth quarter of a one-score game where it's tight, and you go, okay, well, and now that uh, now that Danny made me think of this, uh, I'm going to have to consider this because that's when these plays happen. Can it's not as important as the fact that they happen, but when they happen, if they're outside of garbage time, okay, I'm going to have to weigh that in there. So I owe Danny, uh, I owe Danny a lot for one, allowing me to build a new table, but two, for uh, <laughs> making me, giving me another way to look at it because it it, it is important. Like, uh, gar- if you lead the league in garbage time pressures, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna discount that a little bit when the game's you know 21 point difference. I, I mean, and, and I will say, um, and I'm mostly joking here, but. Um, the advantage that the Calgary D-line is going to have is that they do have two games against Saskatchewan left. So they'll, <laughs> True. they'll probably just about double their stats. So uh, <laughs> potentially we Oof. can make a, just because I'm trolling, you know, let's get you to make a stat that includes everything that's not against the Saskatchewan O-line. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be, be glad you guys are not writers in Saskatchewan or Regina <laughs> because picking an offensive lineman in that city will be, like, basically impossible. Okay, has Winton McManus played enough games? He's He's got he's credited for 14, but technically he's only played 13 games because he was injured very early in Calgary. Has he played enough games to be the defensive uh, player of the year, Danny? Um, I was not expecting this question, so I'm pulling up the stats. <laughs> so if we want to throw to Derek, or, he, I mean, I, he he has. I think he has absolutely played enough games. I just don't. I don't know that I get the Winton McManus's most outstanding defensive player uh, stuff because I I look at it and I go. What has he done that Larry Dean in Saskatchewan hasn't done? Those guys yep. are, I mean, those, I mean, they're, he's playing on a better team, but what's he doing that Larry Dean isn't doing? What's he doing that uh, Darnell Sankey or whoever Sask will give us uh, isn't doing? What's he doing that Cam Judge isn't doing? I, I don't, I couldn't be to the wall for, for Winton McManus because, okay, weak side linebacker, sure, it's, it's not the toughest position on a defense. He's had some impact, but, that defense isn't overwhelmingly great. Um, he, he's not got an overwhelming. What is he's got two touchdowns? I think is the is the one. Or I could be wrong on that. But I mean, I, I don't. I don't know that I understand. I, I understand. I, I like Whit McManus a lot as a player, but has he been so far exceptional to a uh, Larry Dean? To uh, I'm trying to think of other wills uh, in the Canadian Football League who haven't been injured this season, and I'm really to Cameron Judge right. that that he's going to be the no-doubt pick, I just I don't see it with Winton McManus. 
I, I just had to throw it out there because the you know the whole talk about the injuries and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in Toronto would say he has been their best defensive player. Uh, you know I what, mean, guys? He's going to get consideration for the East Division. Uh, I, I I have trouble picking him as over over some of the players that um, that Derek just mentioned, but I, I, I certainly think that he will get a push out of the East, and and, and it's not unreasonable. No, I would agree. And, and and you know what, guys? I will say this has been a fun. This has been a sometimes heated, sometimes contentious uh, uh, discussion here on this podcast, which I agree. Uh, we're, we're out of time, but is, is there any is there any other thing you wanted to throw out there, Danny, in closing? Yeah, I'm sure he does. Has, I mean, I think that the O-line, and this is a this is a question from a Calgary reporter who's not pretending he's not. I mean, the, the team stats for the, the Stamps O-line, leading the league in rushing, um, by far the fewer sacks allowed in the entire league. Um but at the same time, McEwen missed a big chunk. I, I think Derek Dennis would have gotten some consideration. Um, I, to be honest, I think Julian Jones might have gotten some, but he had a pretty tough uh, game against Winnipeg. There, so I'm just curious as to what, where you're looking in general. And I'm not saying specifically for uh, that Owen. I, if if they give it to us, I'm just going to put this out there. If they give it to us uh, as the voters, I think an interior offensive lineman might be the winner this year, which is unexpected because it's always tackles. But uh, the the usual suspects at tackles, like Stanley Bryant's been, I mean, has been, well, he and Derek Dennis, I think, were were in a top class. But Joel Figueroa in BC has been really good as well. So there's going to be, in my mind, three candidates there. Who who is each market give us? Uh, Philip Norman in BC. And BC's doing a thing where they use an American on the interior. Like Philip Norman has 15 games played, and he is the only guy that is not allowed. I mean, he, I have him with five quarterback pressures allowed. So I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that and go, can I? Can we give it to a guard? Can Can it possibly be a guard? Will he even get the nomination from his own team? But Philip Norman has been fantastic in an offense that initially was designed to get the ball out quick, but now it's been the uh, – it's been the uh, Vernon Adams show for a while. So offensive line is going to be really tough because uh, Stanley, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, the guys, uh, Derek Dennis, uh, well, let's, let's go with two guys. I know Stanley and Jamarcus haven't been their usual level of dominance this season for whatever the reasons might be. So I, I think um, we, we might get some other candidates depending on who's presented to us. But because, uh, yeah, Stanley versus Derek Dennis – versus Joel Figueroa versus whatever, Philip Norman, whoever we got from BC, would have been a real interesting debate for me. Okay, who's done the best coaching job in the regular season? Danny Machocha, Ryan Dinwiddie, Dave Dickinson, or Mike O'Shea? Uh, Come on. (laughs) What are we doing? Come on. (laughs) What are we doing here? We're talking regular season. Everybody expects Mike O'Shea to, you know, hey, he had the best team. It's an easy coaching job, right? Uh, Brutal injuries here. Brutal injuries here. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm giving it to O'Shea. Um, I, I'm giving it to O'Shea. I, I, I'm honestly not giving uh, Dave Dickinson consideration. I will say that if we're going to talk about injuries, I don't know that any team had a unit as badly beat up as the Stampeders defensive backfield. Um, so I do think, like, a shout-out to Brett Monson for, uh, and Dwayne Cameron for the way that they've had to kind of adjust there and, and keep it going because, you know, they were at some point, at one point they had, like, 11 – Attacks on the on the injured list, but I, I'm sorry. I honestly believe that it's really, really hard to win football games. Um, and you know, there are going to be staff guys out there who are like, "Dude, he's an idiot." But uh, I tend to think that unless there was, you know, a dramatic year over year 
year improvement that's sort of unexplained by anything other than coaching. I think that the guy who, um, you know, might go say has to be the, the winner. I, I think it's crazy to pick yeah, I, I think I forgot to throw Rick Campbell's name in there, too. I, I, I would say uh, Rick's. Rick's that would have been a good one yeah. if if Rourke had been healthy the whole season yeah. and they'd gone fourteen and four. Uh, where where would we have apportioned the credit? That would have been a good one too. Yeah. It's got to be O'Shea, right? Like they they skated on injuries the last couple seasons, but this year third weak side linebacker used their third safety for quite some time. Greg Ellingson's played fewer than half the games. They're on. They're deep. They're you know have two backup receivers uh, going in there. Um, guys don't don't practice. They've lost. 20% of their man games to injury this season of their starters. And you go, somehow it has Jackson Jeffcoat, most quarterback pressure in the league last year, is, is not able to play. Hasn't I think he's missed five games already, like five, six games. Like that that this thing has not gone off the rails in, in Winnipeg is incredible. And I have to think that that a lot of the credit does in the end go to the head coach. So to me, that's I mean, Dalton Schoen's probably the easiest vote at rookie, but Mike O'Shea at Coach of the Year to me is is the second easiest. The freaking Canadian Mafia. I just can't endorse that. Sorry, Darren. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> hey guys, this has been fun. You know what's going to even be more fun if maybe we can all get together for the uh, for the Western Final in Winnipeg. But uh, we'll see if that uh, plays out or not. Uh, uh, thanks so much for your time, Danny. Uh, always good to talk to you, my friend. You bet. And I will just note that I'm still praying to somehow get to go to Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, nice, uh, yes. nice controlled environment would be nice. Uh, Derek, uh, well, we know you're going to be in the Western semifinal, uh, the Western final, I should say. So uh, uh, enjoy it. Thank you, brother. All right, that does it for another edition of Football North. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for downloading. Love to hear your feedback. Maybe you have a topic idea for a future show. You can always hit me up. My email address is jock, J-O-C-K, at am770chqr.com.